Hey y'all, welcome to Best Virginia, the podcast where we talk about the fascinating history, culture, and folklore of the wild and wonderful state of West Virginia. You got shot, you got stabbed, you lost everything that you had. There ain't no time to wonder why, but to hang your head and cry, oh no. Absolutely, and I appreciate you coming on here with me. Thanks. Uh, you know, we do a lot of work here in Huntington with writers. I don't know if you are aware of how many talented writers there are in, particularly the Huntington area. They always make joke about like what's in the water here. I'm doing my best to stay on that list. Um, my, I, it's been a little while since I put a book out. My last book was Trigger, that came out last spring, and you know, in the time of COVID, things got a little slow. But I turned a couple books in, so I'm waiting to hear some good news. I was hoping we would have this like chat, and I'd be like, guess what? I just signed another deal. But alas, it did not work that way. Eh, oh, well. All that, I can do is write them, you know? Right. That would have been a lot of fun. Uh, so uh, if I'm not mistaken, Trigger is part of a series, correct? Yes. It's the third of the Danny Britton series. The first is Widow File, and then Redemption Key, and this third one <clears throat> excuse me, is Trigger. And it's not the, the series is not a trilogy but after the first three, the series takes a very hard turn. Spoiler. You know, so people should know there's something big coming in it. And it's a story of this um, data analyst just who wants to stay under the radar and just wants to be a kind of a geek and do her thing. But, of course, things don't go according to, as planned. And she winds up getting caught up in all sorts of mayhem uh, with this insane uh, hitman who's been after her. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a very fun series. And I got to put a friend of mine in the book. The villain in Trigger is a good friend of mine, and I think I really nailed her. <laughs> oh, that's always the best. Um, I actually haven't had the pleasure of checking those out yet, but I have gotten to read a couple of your books, which I'm super stoked about. Oh, thanks. I'd... It's tough. You know, it's tough to find time to read. I mean, it, even as a writer, it's tough to find time. I appreciate anyone who gets a book in. Oh, yeah, and I, I will say, I just finished Damocles, um, like, the week before last, I believe, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you. If I have a cult book, it is Damocles, because it's so different from everything else I've written. Um, I put it out right after I signed the contract for Flower Town, and Flower Town was a big hit, and so they were like, we'll take anything you've got. So when I, I thought, well, I'm going to hold you to that, and I put out this kind of strange, groovy sci-fi novel that... It has a fan base. I mean, it has a, a different fan base than a lot of my other books. I'm glad you liked it. It's it's a strange little book. It's probably my favorite. I think Lil Pell is probably my favorite character I've ever written. 
Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, I, I really enjoyed just how different it actually was from not just, you know, I've only read one of your other books, I believe, at this point. Um, but not only how different it was compared to your other work, but just how different it was to what you would expect a story to be. You know, there's there's a lot of really unique stuff out there for sure, but there's also a lot of stuff that kind of, you know, cliches and stuff like that, that stuff just tends to fall into. There's only so much originality you can put out there. Um, but I, it was just really cool how, it, you know, just, I'll, I'll try not to spoil it, but just the... <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I always pitch it as it's sci-fi for people who don't read a lot of sci-fi because I, I kind of cheat in on the book with a trope, you know, that they're they're in deep space, you know, that kind of thing. But then it really just becomes a book about language and friendship and trust. Um, yeah, it was, um, I love that book. I was, I'm a big language nerd, obviously, as a writer. And it just, it was really fun. It started as like a thought experiment. Like, what would you, how would you create a language with someone with whom you had zero cultural context. Like you don't even know if they say yes or no, or, you know, why they ask questions. So it was, it was a lot of fun doing that exploration. Yeah. I, I imagine. And I, and I think you totally nailed it just oh, because, thank you. you know, just because of the, the nature of the stuff you were dealing with. Um, it was just really cool how you approached it. Thanks. I, I really like approaching. That's pretty much how I approach story is, Instead of thinking, you know, I should structure a thriller to have these elements, I'm always thinking, what if this one thing changed? Because that's really all stories are. It's it's like the normal life, and then something throws a whammy on it, and everyone has to react. So I don't worry so much about, you know, even though I teach writing workshops about pacing and tension, instead you should always try to think of it like, what what if normal life is going, like, define what the normal life is, and just change one element, and see how everything else falls apart. Because once you start looking at it, then you realize how all of our lives are really hanging on a really precarious balance in so many ways, as we've just seen. You know, one little virus just locked the whole world down. That's a fact. That's an absolute fact. Um, A minute ago, you mentioned your workshops. Mm -hmm. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I teach a a back-to-basics workshop. Because one of my goals with writing, you know, I, I got into writing because I just read a ton of, of books like most writers do. And I just had a thousand stories to tell. So I went into it absolutely ass backwards. Like, oh, I'm just, how hard can it be to write a book, right? And I just kept doing it until I got better at it. But what I find when I do conferences and workshops, people really overthink it. Writing a book, it, it's like magic. It is, it is absolute magic. But then there's an awful lot of mundane, muggle-like work that needs to be done that will get your book done. Like the best thing you can do is like get out of your own way and stop overthinking it and just write the story you want to tell. So I give these workshops called Back to Basics and I just strip away a lot of the woo-woo and the, the, a lot of the verbiage you hear in a lot of writing magazines about tension, plot, and pacing and like try to get down to the nuts and bolts of what makes a story work. What, what gets a story over the finish line? Because you asked uh, before we t- went on the air uh, about one what's advice I give to writers. And the, the one piece I always give is that you learn more from dragging one craptastic manuscript over the finish line than you do from starting and abandoning a thousand masterpieces. There's something about finishing a story that, that takes you to the next level. So that's always my goal with the workshops. And then another West Virginia writer, I don't know if you know Michael Nost, he wrote uh, Return of the Mothman. Yes. <laughs> and so, yes, 
good friend of mine, fantastic human being. We had begun doing intensive genre writers workshops, like weekends where you had to submit work to get accepted. And then it was this really deep critique. Um, we did several of those. And then, of course, COVID shut it down again. So we're hoping to get those back up on and going once the world's open again. They're really, really fun. A lot of work, but they're really fun. They sure sound like it. Um, so where can our listeners go to learn more about those workshops? Well, uh, <laughs> I would... I have a website, sgredling.com. Um, it is a, a shambles of a website because I've just let it slide because I did, that's who I am as a person. <clears throat> uh, we are obviously not doing them until things start to open back up. Um, we're going to be looking for them. I would follow us on Facebook, SG Redling on Facebook, our Twitter and Instagram. We're going to be posting it to a fairly well once we start them back up again. I just stay on social media. I, this is this is my weakness. I am like the worst about social media. I get on when it's fun, then I get off when I get tired of it. So I'm a little inconsistent. I write, you know, I'm writing books. I, that's, you know, that's, that's that, a good excuse. That's the only thing I can do is controlling <laughs> the books. That's what I do. Absolutely. And I, it, you know, I think like, again, I think you do. I, I will say I'm kind of fanboying right now because, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I met your sister cause I used to work with her and then she mm-hmm. mentioned, she mentioned some of your work, and I just thought that was the coolest thing ever because that was always one of my, one of my many millions of goals is to write a book one of these days. But I was talking about, um, you know, that being my goal to your sister, and she she's like, "Well, that's awesome because my sister is a writer," and I was like, "No way!" And then she, uh, I think you had just put out "At Risk" whenever I met her. Okay, yeah. And I read that, and I I really she let me borrow her copy, I think, and I I loved it. And, oh, thank you. Yeah, that was a brutal book, man. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, because that was when I was working at the psych hospital, and I think you nailed a lot of the stuff that I was kind of looking for oh. in that book, and it was just really cool. Thank you. It's always good to hear an expert that I didn't irritate an expert because you know when someone writes something about something you know and they get it wrong, and you're like, oh, that's not how it works. I or will say. I will say psychology gets, uh, my boss and I were talking, my supervisor and I were talking the other day just about how, we were actually talking about the potential of starting another podcast one of these days about like mental health in this, in pop culture and just about how poorly it's handled. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> because you see like all these like thriller movies and stuff where the therapist is like super involved with the person's life and like. <laughs> like checking on them at home and stuff like that. They have no ethics at all for, for one. Yeah. And stuff is like super rushed, but it's, they don't really know the process and, but, but you're right. <laughs> A lot yeah. of stuff is yeah. not handled correctly and, you know, and it all comes from, you know, not being in the moment or in the, kind of in the groove, but you know, do your research. <laughs> and and I think you knew, right. but it, it, you know, in that book, it definitely showed up and I, I really liked it, and the characters were fantastic in that one. Oh, well, I appreciate you saying that. That book, I don't give that book enough love. That book came out uh, right after my mother died, so I was kind of finishing it in sort of a weird headspace, which is why it's yeah. kind of, like, I do like it because it's really on the bone. You know I mean? I was really just writing on scabs at that point. It's just violent, and it, like, starts kind of quiet, and then just becomes this melee at the end of the book. Was, yeah, thank you. Absolutely. I don't know if you could hear my cat. He likes to make a guest appearance from time to time. That's nice. I was afraid we were doing this on Zoom because my cats, as soon as I see the computer open, are like, I must be a part of this. <laughs> yeah, my one of our cats, he sits at the door and just yells at the cats outside all the time. So, 
he's made several guest appearances, so I usually like to give him credit. That's good. Well, I mean, he is really your support staff, or you're his support staff. Generally. Yeah, that's, that's more, more accurate. Yeah, that's more accurate. Um, so, you know, kind of getting back on track, we talked about, you know, your workshops and stuff like that. And, you know, unfortunately, COVID has taken its toll on everything and really put a stop to a lot of those things. And, you know, I'll definitely keep an eye out if things ever get back to normal, uh, just how to how to go about yeah, doing that. Yeah, definitely. Because we do other things in Huntington, too, uh, in normal times. Like we have the Huntington Fiction Factory. We do it once a month, part of Arts Night Out. We bring up writers in to talk about craft and business. And, of course, Huntington, as writers, can read. I'm a big cheerleader, you know, obviously, for my hometown. So that's I, I just love the writer vibe in Huntington right now. It's really nice. And as you should. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff. And that's that's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast to begin with is just to kind of help lift some of that stuff up and talk to people from all around the state and people that are even out of the state at this point. Um, yeah, that's very cool of you because we've got West Virginia in general has just got such a great art vibe right now. Yeah, we've definitely been in the groove for the last several years. Um, just yeah. all around, there's everyone's starting to take pride and I, I think that's awesome. Yeah, well, even at the Red Caboose with the artisan market where I work, um, you know, even during shutdown, the COVID and everything... We had our best Christmas ever because people were like, nope, we're shopping local, we're supporting local artists, we're like getting our West Virginia groove on. Yeah, it's it's a good time to be in West Virginia. Absolutely, and that's amazing. I, I love right. I love seeing local businesses thrive. Yeah, exactly. People put a lot of heart heart into it. Well, and in a lot of ways, you know, the, the the caboose we do a lot of visual arts, but it's the same with writers and bookstores, people who show up for local book events and support their local authors. It, Writing is a weird gig. I mean, I don't know what podcasting is like, but being a writer is a really solitary gig. You spend a lot of time with yourself, which can be a little brutal sometimes. So when you go out and people are like supporting your work and showing up for your events, it's really heartening. Absolutely. That's one of the best feelings whenever people, you know, just kind of even just mention like, oh, hey, I heard you. I I heard of your podcast the other day. And you're like, wow, yeah. people are talking about this thing or people actually know what it is. It's not just me and my parents listening. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sitting in your basement talking to yourself. Right. No, it's fine. I don't even have it a really basement. It really is a lot like writing then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so are you able to tell us anything about some of the stuff you're working on? I know you mentioned earlier that you've, you have a couple of things you've put out there. Yeah. Well, I, I, my agent, you know, cause COVID affected everything. I, I know I keep saying that, but it really did affect a lot of things. I had taken a break um, after At Risk, uh, after, as, as I said, after my mom died, and I took some time off. Then I went back and finished Trigger, and that was well-received. I had a really nice time with it, but it's been hard kind of getting my groove back. And then I don't know what happened, but I got all of my groove back. I've turned in three books. I'm getting ready to turn in a fourth. Oh, wow. And one of them I'm really excited about. They're, they're all being shopped. You know, my agents, she's working. She works hard. Um, it's a, sort of a, how can I say this? It's like a love story to Huntington. It, it's called Mad. It's about the maddest city in America. And it, it plays on West Virginia's love of festivals. You know, like, oh, something bad happened? Let's make a festival up. So this town with a curse, yeah, it, it all just kind of goes insane. And it's a, a total mayhem book. So I'm really, really hoping it finds a home soon. Because that, that's, like, kind of where my heart is. And then I'm working on some mysteries. I just I like to try new things. I like to try, uh, you know, my brand is kind of just organized mayhem. But I, I do like to pick some different genres. So, yeah, I'm turning into mystery next. 
Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I, you know, I like that because it's so rewarding and it can be really scary to be vulnerable and open yourself up to like, okay, this might suck, but I'm going to try it. And you have to, that's the, I, I couldn't flourish. And I will say I have several friends who write in a genre and, and are very successful in their genre and they still do put a, a, an awful lot of work into it. Cause if you're writing the same mystery, you know, you have to freshen it up and it's a challenge. But if you're going to make anything, if you're going to take the time to do any kind of artistic work, you should try to scare yourself. You know, you should go past what you think you're capable of and you should always aim for the bleachers. And, you know, if you're not frightened or or absolutely positive at any point in your project that this is going to be the worst thing ever created, you're not going deep enough. Right. Like you should always be certain that this is not just going to be your worst book, but the worst book ever written. And then, you know, you're on the right track. Like, go for it. I like that. That's good advice. Um, whenever I'm, even in my work, whenever I'm talking to my clients, I always encourage them to find their comfort zone and then step, take at least one step out of it and see what that's mm-hmm. like. Nothing good happens in your comfort zone. Nothing. Right. Nothing, nothing fresh because we go to what's safe. And, you know, especially like, as, like when you're dealing with the arts, doing what's safe is awesome. You can be really good at it and you can be, but you can also be really good at something you've never tried. Exactly. And then that informs your kind of safe work. You know, if you write sort of, if you have a a genre you write in all the time, like short fiction or romance, and that's what you stick with, and then you take a big step out and write, I don't know, like a horror Western or something, that will make you better at the work you're already really good at. There's no bad side to growth. I like that. That's also good advice. You've got a lot of powerful (laughs) words today. Thanks, man. So look at me. Who knew I was so wise? <laughs> it's because I haven't given a workshop in almost a year, so I'm, I'm overdue to get back to them. I really do love the workshops. It, there's something really exciting about working with people who are like who haven't quite gotten their feet under them, who are still not sure that they're writing something quality, and like there's nothing I can tell them that like to affect their. I mean, I, I can't fix their story. All I can do is like fix their mental game. And give them the boost. Like, you know, you're the only one that can write your book, but I can tell you some things that might torpedo you or, or propel you. That's the most meaningful stuff. You can do things for people all day, but it doesn't help them. No, no. And, and, and it's, it's important, I think, to have community, too, as a writer. like And like a podcaster or any kind of artist. Because, again, you stay all, alone all the time, and then it's like, oh, hold on. I'm getting weird. Perhaps I have to check in with the rest of the human race. <laughs> oh, that reminds me... You know, I'll just use this for as a chance to share a quick story. I used to work at a horse farm, and I was, during that time, I would go whole days and only see, like, one or two people total. And wow. I, my social skills totally dipped, <laughs> and I was, like, super awkward for, for several months after I, that was right before I started at the hospital, and I, I was really struggling to talk to people. Uh, it was, I mean, it happens. Yeah, it- <laughs> it's a learned skill. You know, things we take for granted. It's a le- being able to handle crowds and social interaction and reading cues is a learned skill. I think we're all going to be weirder after COVID. Oh yeah. Like once we take our masks off and stuff and can hug people again, it's going to we're not going to be the same as we were last March. I I saw a meme the other day that it said that mouths are starting to become like boobs. You can only take them out <laughs> at home and to feed. And I, That's I was like, awesome. yeah, I, I thought it was hilarious, but then I stopped laughing and I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's actually kind of true. Yeah. 
Well, the upside is men don't tell you to smile when you wear a mask. I will say that. So <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I still find myself, I know this is a little bit different, but I still find myself smiling in pictures, and I, I laugh yeah. every time. But you can see it in people's eyes, though. I that's mean, true. That's something you have learned, that like you people do express an awful lot with their eyes. Oh, yeah. It's Yeah, it, it's, which I was thinking, too, I mean, we're going way off topic here, but I was thinking, too, about, like, babies and, and infants and toddlers who are coming up in public with people with masks on. They're going to have a whole different skill set reading people's faces. Yes, like, you know, a baby comes in the shop and I smile at it and it's like, what are you doing? No. Like, you know, and you can see that, like, they're not smiling because they're not seeing a lot of smiles. Right. That's a very good point. And that's something that I've, I've actually talked to several people about because, you know, I'm kind of at the age where all my friends are starting to have babies and stuff like that. And it's kind of a concern, but also kind of interesting because you think about yeah. it, like what we're, we learn what we are around and what we're taught and we're being taught something totally different than what those that are teaching learned. Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how that changes. You know, humans are adaptable. That's what we do. We mm-hmm. adapt. So it'll be interesting to see how different this generation is. Oh, 100%. You know, kind of, I know we got way off topic, but I, I, I like that. I like just... Sure. I love just kind of seeing how where things go. And usually things go to a cool place. Um, yeah, you got to get weird. you got to be willing to go weird. Absolutely. And... And, and, you know, again, that, that goes back to one of the reasons why I love the state. You know, stay wild, stay weird. Yes. I love it. I um, love it. And I'm kind of in a unique place at the CVB, the Convention and Visitors Bureau, because we get the visitors, people who come to West Virginia. And sometimes they're coming for vacation. Sometimes they're coming for, like, a funeral or work, you know, something less fun. And invariably, they are delighted. They're like, there's, oh, there's this surprise, like how... How nice the people are, how good the food is, how how cool the stories are, how pretty the architecture is and the landscape. Like, I get to hear that all day long when there are visitors in the center. It's really nice. Oh, I never amazing. get tired of it. Yeah, that, just hearing that's amazing. That, that puts a smile yeah. on your face. You know, because I imagine, you, like you said, you do see people, you know, for different reasons and different things are bringing them to the area. So that's really cool. And also, I've heard I've heard that from people in all different types of work and different positions just like what you said about um the people here are so nice and so willing to share stories and things like that as and i've talked to people even on the show about how they moved to other areas and they didn't really get that same vibe there's definitely a unique feeling here it's it's not southern in the sense it's it's just it's just different i mean it it is it is itself and it's really nice when you see it working on people when you see people kind of softening up and like being surprised by what they see here. You know, that's one of the reasons why I like it here so much. And I, you know, I've, I'm kind of biased. I'm from here. I've, <laughs> yeah, I've spent my entire life here. And so have the majority of the people I socialize with. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't really talk about a whole lot of other places necessarily other than in passing or vacations or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, doing this podcast has given me the opportunity to talk to people that moved out of the area. A lot of people you hear... I, I like my favorite, some of my favorite people to talk to are the people that moved away for a few years and came back. That's me. I was gone for 20 years. Wow. I I went away to school in Georgetown. I lived in New York City for seven years, almost eight years. Moved out to California and I came home just to regroup, like to put my bags down and figure out what I wanted to do next and got a job at Key Radio and 
just and and that Huntington was kind of on an upswing then, and I just fell back in love with my state. I just you know when you're a kid and you're in high school, you're like I'm getting out of here. I'm gonna go to the big city. And you're like eh, I went to the big city. It was nice. I loved it. I was glad I had the chance. But you know I I do more in New York City now that I live here than I did when I lived in New York. Oh wow. And but you know because it, it's affordable here and chill. It's relaxed. You can have a good job, a good life. And, you know, you're not just constantly working to keep a roof over your head. Right. Yeah, and that's uh, that's really cool because um, you mentioned New York City and California. like the, And here, I imagine those are three totally different vibes. Oh, yes. Yes, very much so. And I love New York. And I lived up in the Sierra Nevadas in California. You know, big, beautiful, high mountains. But I, I don't want hot, big, beautiful. I mean, they were beautiful, and it was it was stunning. But I like our mountains. I yeah. like those old green mountains. I like the low sky. You know, I just, you can, you can feel it when you're back in the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. There's just nothing like it. There's, I think we all have that thing, like we're encoded with a place. And we, I don't know if it's like where you spent your childhood or what, but like, you know, when you're back in it. And that's the way I feel about West Virginia. Right. I like that. It's home. It's yeah. that feeling of home. One more thing. Um, you mentioned, yeah. you mentioned the radio station. So that was one of the things that whenever I worked with your sister and she mentioned, you know, she said that you had this radio show. And I was like, holy crap, I remember that show. <laughs> yeah, it was Miller in the morning first, then Sheila and Jim. 15 okay. years. <clears throat> a lot of fun. And I'll tell you, it really informed my writing. Because with radio, you have to learn to listen to people. And you really get an ear for voices and how people speak. As you, I'm sure you've picked up, the more you do these shows, right? Like you can tell what kind of interview somebody's going to be or what kind of guests they're going to be quickly, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a skill you're learning, and you keep learning it. And so it, it did help with the writing a lot, with dialogue and pacing. You know, and it also taught me to get to the point quickly, because, <laughs> okay. you know, you have to step things along in radio. Yeah, I can totally see that, and that's really cool. And I like how well you put those two pieces together just now, because it is, I mean, those are two skills that are you know, seemingly a little bit different, but there's a lot of similarity and a lot of connection there that's really cool. Yeah, it, well, I mean, what you're doing is you're trying to convince a busy audience to stay with you. That's that's podcasting, that's radio, that's writing. Right. People okay. are busy, they're distracted, they got their lives. You're trying to talk them into putting their own life down for a minute and getting on board with you. That's, you know, that's a really powerful statement, but it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, and look at you, doing it regularly. <laughs> I'm trying. <And> well, <laughs> I, well, I appreciate that. I, I always, <laughs> I think it might have been an episode last season. I kind of went on a little bit of tangent, just talking about how you know being. I believe even with my clients and with my family, with everyone around me, I try to be transparent. If I'm uncomfortable, I'll let you know because I'm not fooling anybody, and because <laughs> everyone else is like, okay, what's happening with this dude? And <laughs> there are times where you know I. I do fumble and I I don't claim to be, you know, great or or anything like that. I'm just trying to do the work to help, you know, to help us talk about our home together. Yeah. And look, man, you're not here to be great. You're here to be interesting. I'm you know what I mean? You're here to be interested. Perfection is boring. Oh yeah. You know what you want chaos and excitement and interest. That's what that's what we show up for. Yeah. And and like I said earlier, uh, about stepping outside your comfort zone. This was, my wife actually talked about that just the other day. She's like, she said, I'm so proud of you for stepping out of your comfort zone. And it absolutely is. I'm pretty, I mean, once I get to know you, I'll talk your ear off. I'll, 
you know, say some of the craziest stuff you've ever heard in your life. And I love that. That's one of my favorite things about myself. But if I don't know you, and even in situations like this, I I tend to be kind of backwards and weird. And I, I'm okay with that too, but I'm trying to push that a little bit. Well, you don't seem backwards or weird at all, but then I'm, I'm weird. So I, I may not be the best judge of that, but that's, okay that's why we're getting along so well. I like it. Right. And if you know my sister, then you already know weird enough. So that's fine. <laughs> well, is there anything else you want to enlighten us on today Um, or you know since we're talking writing and this is very much my passion I think I meet so many people who say you know oh I would have loved to write a book and I just have this idea you know the short version of my advice is just and it's kind of sounds kind of trite but just do it don't worry if it's any good don't worry if it's boring don't don't worry about anything and I, I usually recommend people don't show their work until it's done because even compliments can hinder you like it can kind of hamstring you. I say just write it. Just just write and write and write and write and write and write and write. And then when you're done with that, write the next thing and the next thing. Because the only way to be a writer is to write. And it's so, like I have a, some success. I have some commercial success and a lot of professional benchmarks I've hit. But it's still too much work to do for money. You know, you have to do it for love. So if you want to do it, just it doesn't matter. You don't have to be good. You just have to be done. Put that yeah. on a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's some excellent advice. I that's I was sitting here listening, like, what am I supposed to say after that? And <laughs> <laughs> bravo, bravo, just mad applause or something. That's fine. I, I take applause. I'll do that. Okay, I, I need to start <laughs> utilizing some sound effects, like throw in an applause here. <laughs> yeah, that'd be amazing. Perfect. The crowd goes wild. So happy. <laughs> Appreciate you having me on your podcast. I'm excited for this. I, I'm going to have to tell everybody to start getting their West Virginia groove on. Oh, I appreciate it. I'll take any uh, any publicity I can get. <laughs> boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I really appreciate you talking to us and, you know, sharing some advice and sharing us a little bit about yourself. Oh, we appreciate it. Thanks. And if people want to check out my books, they're available at the Red Caboose and any most bookstores and ask your bookstore to order them. And if you don't, ask your library to order them because we love being in libraries too. Okay. Well, you heard yeah. that, folks. All right. Yeah, cool, man. All right. Well, stay safe out there, and I'll see you on the other side. You too, and thank you so much. This has been another episode of Best Virginia Podcast, created and hosted by me, Jordan Mitchell, featuring special guest Sheila Redling, and featuring music by 18 Strings. As always, thanks for listening. Stay wild, stay weird, and stay wonderful.